From the Far East to the Great West, the podcast that celebrates the red-headed stepchild of the Kung Fu genre, Bruce Broitation. Welcome to the Clones Cast. Here are your hosts, Michael and Matthew. Welcome to episode one of the Clones Cast. Hosted by Bruce Floytation Bible author, collector, fanatic, and documentarian, Michael Worth, as well as myself, a Bruce Floytation newbie, Matthew Whitaker. This episode, we're talking about the 1976 Bruce Lee starring Bruce's Deadly Fingers. Mina! Prince! When'd you get back? Just yesterday. Old Clark wrote me a letter and told me to come back and find the Kung Fu Finger Book. Kung Fu Finger Book? But old Clark has disappeared. He disappeared? Um, so this is directed by a gentleman named Joseph Velasco, which threw me off a little bit. Um, and I looked deeper and I saw that he directed, you know, like 50 films and almost all of his early films. He was mostly Joseph Kong and sometimes Joseph Wong. Yeah, yeah, that's it. He, they, it these names are going to like drive you nuts because everybody's got different names. And sometimes it's it's actually every in some cases legitimate different names since in some cases Chinese do have several different names but these these pseudonyms that get used in these films are really they'll, they'll throw you around <laughs> yeah I thought Velasco was in particular I'm like wait so is that like is that a Spanish or Italian or you know I'm bad with names so <laughs> I go look and I look him up and I'm like no no he's definitely he's from Taiwan and <laughs> he just obviously liked it or maybe he you know he got adopted later in life to the Velasco yeah. family yeah, and we uh, we actually tried to hunt him down uh, at the end of last year to do an interview with him, but he was a tough one to get a hold of. Oh, wow. Okay, well, so um, this is our premiere episode. Uh, I think this was a really fun one for you to pick. Um, the The concept here, to to all of our new listeners, um, is that uh, Michael um, Worth here has watched most of these uh, Bruce Ploitation films, and I have watched um, maybe one. <laughs> it's something I'm very interested in, though. I love Kung Fu. And here's the thing about it. And I think, Michael, you showed me the light like pretty early in our conversations about this. I always thought like because Bruce Lai was exploiting Bruce Lee, that meant by its nature it was bad. Don't watch it, right? Right. But but what it, what it really is is that I get people were trying to do that. But if you take like this first example, which in this case we're talking about Bruce Lee, we take this example. It's not a ripoff of a Bruce Lee movie. It's just sort of like we want to do something in the vein. I mean, <laughs> you know, we're just we're just trying to keep Bruce Lee's spirit alive. Well, yeah, not, not only that, but I I mean I mean there's clearly and and this is what sort of rides it the most is this uh, these producers going let's go out and make some money but there's another element to it which is particularly in these earlier films and I'm, I'm kind of excited you kind of decided to do this one first because this is 
actually the first Bruce Bruceploitation film I ever saw as a kid. So this, I have a sort of nostalgic attachment to this one. But these earlier movies that were made from 73 to, you know, let's say 78 and that sort of first five years after Bruce Lee passed away, they also deal a lot with the processing of his dying without getting into it too much. You could just clearly see it in the storylines. His death is always hanging in there. What happened to him? Let's, where's his killers? What, uh, you know, where's his book, his secret kung fu book? You know, this kind of thing um, was prevalent in the in the first few years. And then it sort of, I mean, we can talk about this as we go along, but eventually it transformed and it still stayed within the sort of Bruce Bloitation idea. But the the stories and the, and the way that... Um, the uh, what, let's say, whether it was the actors or the fight choreographers or the directors or whatever approached the material was different. Yeah, that's really interesting. I read a little bit about that. This idea of uh, you know Chinese pride—they were so proud that they had an international superstar and that people were taking something like uh, Chinese kung fu very seriously—and then of course Bruce Lee died. <laughs> it's like yeah. no, my baby—he was going to be the president. Yeah. And there's an interesting sort of a conflict with that because on the one hand, you know, Bruce Lee is Chinese, but remember he was also born in San Francisco and then he was living in Hong Kong for, you know, essentially 17 years and then went back to America again. So there's a lot of his personality that was very Americanized. You know, he was hanging out with Coburn and McQueen and getting into the, you know, the, the culture at that time. So when he came back and just started blowing everybody away, it's like on the one hand they're like, yeah, yeah, Chinese, but they're also like, hey man, you're you're kind of like doing your own thing, aren't you? <laughs> you know. Totally. Well, I think it's funny, um, Bruce Lee uh, in particular. This is my first Bruce Lee movie, and I had no idea what to expect. I expected, I guess, um, Bruce Lie. <laughs> I expected somebody to look just like him because, like, why would you have so many different people trying to do the same thing? But he is a very interesting guy. He's very small. He's smaller than anybody else he's fighting. But he's very yeah. solid, and he's got a he's got a like he's got a super physique, right? And he's he's a powerhouse. Like he the, the way he moves, it's it's all very it's very non Bruce Lee. But I think he's a, a really good fighter, and I think he looks awesome. Well, yeah, and he's you know he basically tries to inherit and mimic. The Bruce Lee mannerisms and if you watch him in his films before this this is actually his first like leading role this is when he first became this Bruce Bloitation actor but if you watch his earlier Shaw Brothers stuff from the, the years before this where he did things like Rivals of Kung Fu and and uh, the, um, the Tea House, where he just plays little parts, you know. Uh, he's still doing Bruce. I mean, you can still see him in there swaggering and flicking his nose with his thumb, and, you know, he's still kind of wanting to inherit this personality. You can just tell. Oh, yeah, I put in my notes, like, they really milk the thumbing the nose. Oh, big time and, this one. And in particular, this one, they don't use the effect but he does the magic hands, I'll call it, from... Um, from Fist of Fury. Uh, yeah, from Fist of Fury. The, yeah. the slow motion, woo, which um, I always knew like was directly used from... Um, uh, what is it called? Uh, to the Beat of the Rhythm of the Night, uh, Bruce Leroy. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, which is where they got... That's right. <laughs> yeah, they, they totally ripped it off there. What is that movie? The Last Dragon. Oh, thank you very much. I yeah. knew you'd know. Yeah, The Last Dragon. I saw that, you know, when I was... 13 12 years old and i'm just like whoa that's the coolest thing and i think you know bruce lee and now yeah anyway very cool <laughs> <laughs> so i had a really hard time i ended up having to watch this um probably 
four times total to understand how the plot fit together. If you looked at how my notes morphed over yeah. time. It's a difficult one. First time I'm like, wait, so who's fighting in the first fight? I'm just like, okay, finally I got it. I'm like, that was the boss. So first fight, we get um, boss Lee Hung, which is uh, Lay Lo or Lo Lei. Lo Lee, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Lo Lee. And he's cool as hell. I really loved him in this. He plays a great bad guy, and he's he's snarky, and he's got such great mannerisms. He's hilarious. So he's fighting um, who I believe, you're going to have to correct me, but I believe his name is Michael Chan Y. Man. Right. Michael, or just Michael Chan. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I think Michael Chan is the coolest guy in this film. I mean, he looks great. Well, he he's cool. And in some cases, this movie and in, in the releases, uh, he, he's billed first because he was kind of a name at the time and he was a star. And he probably came along and said, hey, man, I want that first billing. So, But uh, yeah, he's a cool dude, man. There's no doubt about it. That makes sense because he he has the first scene, first fight scene, and really like he keeps showing up as like a guy who's actually like taller, stronger looking, more suave looking than Bruce Lee himself. <laughs> yeah, he had the slick down in it, didn't he? Yeah, he has a he has the big big head of hair. <laughs> yeah. He has too much hair. I don't know what it is. I Bruce did it, so everybody else had to do it. But it's like, well, what we need to do is just grow so much like hippie kind of hair, and we need to like get the really big collars, and we need to go from there. I know it was a great style, I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, so first fight, it's those two, and, and I watched that. And I almost forgot that it happened. So later on, I'm just like, wait, so who was fighting at the beginning of this movie again? And it wasn't until the second time I watched it. I'm like, all right, so now I've got the guy I'm calling. I know Boss, uh, they called him Boss Lee, or, or maybe they called him Boss Hung. But um, I'm like, I, I started just calling the other guy, Michael Chan, Interpol. So I'm like, all right, yeah. so I got Interpol now. And I, I need to figure out what the hell he's doing in this movie. So after like maybe the third time I watched it, I finally got it. He is trying to bring down the boss from the beginning and because I couldn't figure out the second fight is, um, and you're going to have to help me out here. The fighter there, his name is Chang Chi in the movie, but he's fighting down by the water by the bridge versus a bunch of uh, Boss Hung. Oh, Nick, yeah, or Nick Chung is it? Yeah, he's he, um, the guy that that pairs up with uh, with Michael Chan. You mean exactly? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So his name is Nick Chung. Yeah, Nick Chung, and it's interesting because I know you noticed this when you watch their stuff it literally looks like it's an entirely different movie because they never cross paths with bruce lay you know what i mean it's their own it's their own separate deal and i you know i don't know this but it's it, it could conceivably have been that they just kind of had these two guys at different times and they needed to fill out this movie so they just started putting this together you know <laughs> because they really they talk about them but they never interact with them you know, that's brilliant. I think you're right. Um, there's a part I noticed in particular where the where the boss, he's talking to uh, Mr. Clean, the, the bald <laughs> the bald thug of his. He calls him Tom, by the way. <laughs> he says... Yeah, they get some great names. Oh, yeah. He says, Tom, look at these pictures. And, you know, I want you to go get these guys. And it goes to this blue screen like it was superimposed. And yep. it has some pictures that are added there in the other blue screen. a little animation. There's a little animation because it moves across the screen a little bit, which is great. Yeah, you got it. So I think with, considering that, that was where they're like, well, how do we get it so we have, like, um, Nick Chung's role? Like, how do we get him involved? Like, why are they fighting? Like, so very funny. So then we have Pink Floyd again. I know. 
<laughs> I couldn't believe it. I, I first noticed that in um, in Fist of Fury or uh, Big Boss. Um, I'm like, man, that sure sounds a lot like Pink Floyd. And then I confirmed it. So in this one, I was extra surprised. I'm like, wait, Pink Floyd again? It was. It's funny because I was just. I had met with a couple of weeks ago. I met with Lalo Schifrin, who you know composed Mission Impossible, Enter the Dragon, Bullet, Thirty Harry, etc. And he, uh, we were talking to him about it a little bit and telling him how often his themes from Enter the Dragon are used in these Chinese kung fu movies. And he's just kind of laughed about it and thought it was hilarious. He goes, "Well, maybe I should tell my lawyer." <laughs> but uh, yeah, they, they, these films were notorious for stealing music at that time, you know. Oh, that said, what did you think of the soundtrack to this? This one's pretty fun. You know what? Which one always cracked me up in this film is the car chase or foot chase music. It's that and even when it wasn't even a car chase, it was just sort of like they were following him, but the music was playing as if they were Roadrunner and you know Wiley Coyote chasing each other, and 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 then the same exact song happens again when Bruce Lee's chasing after the Kung Fu finger book, you know, through the the rock quarry. That's great. Oh my God! So you you just said it. The thing about this movie, the first time I watched it, what I took away is there are some pretty badass guys that are beating up a lot of thugs, and this is a pretty good movie. But we all got to get our hands on that finger book, <laughs> Bruce's finger book, because we got to do some finger kung fu. Are you looking for the kung fu finger book? Kung fu finger book. <laughs> I know. And, and how about that line where the the girlfriend, Lily's girlfriend's like, "All you do is talk about kung fu fingers." finger books you never want to be with me and it sort of like has a kind of an underscoring you know sense of their masculinity in this film you know what their where their focus is but then it gets into this i mean look i, I gotta tell you i know you've you're just starting off with some of these this there's nothing sophisticated about the writing of this movie it is so bizarre from you know the idea of of how they, you know, they, how many times do those girls get kidnapped, right? I mean, how often, are they, you know, they'll, they'll say, oh, this, don't worry, you're perfectly safe in this building. It's actually with the best security. And then, what, two seconds later, the guys come in the door. I mean, do you think these criminals might come here to get me? Oh, no. Don't be silly. They wouldn't dare. These are high-class apartments. Downstairs, there's a watchman. It's very safe. Please don't worry. But I'm still a bit scared. <gasps> Mina, look over there! It's filled with this kind of like, just writing that just dry, like you said, you had to watch it four times to figure out who was chasing who. But, but that being said, it's so loaded with such potent, poignant, uh, Bruce Lee has just passed away moments and elements that it, to me it's kind of interesting and like I said it's the first film I ever saw I saw it at the the Warfield Theater in San Francisco on Market Street you know and um, back when it was you know double billed with um, uh, Circle of Iron with David Carradine and oh, nice. and so one of the things about it is is that you know when I first went into it thinking because the po- the the release of it in the name of it in America is the Young Dragon that's what it, how it came out in America was released as the Young Dragon and the posters all said Bruce in his first film at the age of eighteen you know it didn't say Bruce who it just says Bruce so you you for, for as you know young kid thinking okay I'm I've only I'd only seen two Bruce Lee movies at that point so. Um, you know, I went to the film and within 10, 15 minutes, I realized, okay, I just, you know, I've been suckered into this. This isn't, I don't think that's Bruce Lee. And, but by the time the movie was over, I realized I'd gotten pulled into this sort of fantasy world of 
maybe what Bruce Lee might have done or, you know, what have you. And that kind of started the ball rolling on, on these films with me and just why I became interested in them. And I didn't realize at the time as a kid, I'm just kind of getting pulled into these sort of uh, fantasy uh, fantasy conjectures of what Bruce Lee might have done. But this film is, is a bad, I mean, believe me, I'm not going to go out there and tout it as a great example of a Bruce Lee exploitation movie, except in the fact that it's just so filled with those goofy, uh, sort of um, things that make these movies so endearing in a way, you know. I mean, they're crappy in a lot of ways, but they're endearing in others. And I think this movie has plenty of those elements. You know, one thing I w- I thought about, and it's it bothers me on a, on a on one level, but in the other level, I can see why they did it. So you want an audience for this, so you're going to go ahead and overdub it into English. But I would love to see an original language version, subtitled. And just find out what the hell is really going on. Now it could be nothing's really going on, and that's why it didn't matter. It's it's really interesting the way um, the overdubbers. It's like the you know they watched it and they put pauses into what should be a completely natural sentence, but they wanted to match the mouth some like a little bit. So it's like I can't believe you. Yeah, <laughs> didn't come over here. <laughs> but yeah, you know what do you think of that? Like. I mean, do you even know, is there such a thing as, a, like, original language versions of some of these? Or is what we have today pretty much all we're going to find? Well, no, and that's actually interesting you're asking that because there there are. and But the thing is, is when I was, as you know, you and I have talked about, but, I mean, I can say here I, I'm, I'm working on a documentary with Severn Films that's just on these movies and, and the, the years ensuing after Bruce Lee had passed away. But one of the side elements of this, of this documentary we're doing is how these films are sort of passing from, from, uh, from time because we're, nobody's taking care of them and they're sort of falling aside. And, and um, we're digging up a lot of these original film prints, and some of them are in crappy condition, but some of them are actually pretty good, to find the original Chinese um releases and this actually is one of the films i think we we've got uh, the rights to at this point and um and found a print of so the idea is to try and release as many of these films that we can afford to do and, and get a hold of you know get them scanned in 2k scans of them so we have you know nice um versions of them and sort of preserve them but yeah. they do exist they are exi- they do exist out there and you're right sometimes when you see the dubbing you know, it's obviously changed. You know, they change. It sometimes changes the meaning of what they're saying, and um, you know, they can be saying entirely different things sometimes because they figured the American audience isn't going to get it because some of these films are meant for the Chinese audience. Um, so yeah, you're right. Getting the the original versions is always a, a kind of a nice way to sort of better understand them. You know. Yeah, I think you just said it. Like, that's what I want is a little bit of that nuance of what was going on. You know, it's the same reason I, I'd never watch, I don't know, Yojimbo overdubbed or, or Zatoichi overdubbed. Right. I don't want it. I, I want to know. I want to hear the, the the inflection in the voice. I want to I want to hear the original actor. I think it would be really interesting to hear what does Bruce Lee actually sound like and not... You know, hello, I'm well, Bruce Wong. And, and actually, believe it or not, a lot of these films didn't even shoot with sound because it was so noisy in Hong Kong. There are some that do have. Right. There are there are actually some. I mean, there's like the Italian cinema in the, like the '60s. You know, they just wouldn't shoot with sound, so most of them won't be their actual voices. But at least the um, the the subtitles will mainly be 
um, more or less. I mean, the subtitles will be their official, um, you know, storyline, whatever they end up with in the end. So, and it will still be, it still will differ from what you get as a, a dub version. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a great point. I forgot about that. Like, all of these uh, um, Shaw Brothers films, it was always film it first and then do the audio after, right? Yeah, I mean, and mainly just because there was just so much noise going on. Like, they, even if they were shooting on sound stages, they probably had people banging next door and doing other <laughs> films, so they just, you know, didn't worry about it. Totally, that's awesome to think of. You know, the Ice Factory, for example, in The Big Boss, you know, it was just, like, insanely loud, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, sure, in a case like Thailand. And, you know, of course, in that case, they didn't travel. They didn't have to bring a sound guy with them. But the but but it's not that's not always the case. So there there are some, like even some of the early films that Bruce Lee did as a kid, because he was a, like a child star in Hong Kong at the time, there are a lot of them that survived that does have the original soundtrack they recorded, and you can hear his voice and everything. So, I mean, it's just, it's just hit or miss with some of them. Nice. All right, well, do you have a, a favorite scene in this film? Uh, I, oh my God! There's so many in this one. I, I mean, I actually really love the ending of the film. I mean, the fight scene at the end when he goes into the the the, the compound with his yellow and black tracksuit pants on, which again is another motif that started to appear in all of these Bruce Ploitation films. Was this sort of uh, yellow and black looking uh, tracksuit to emulate what what Bruce Lee would be wearing in Game of Death? Um, but that the the fight scene at the end always struck me, even as a as a, a kid, you know. On 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 the other side, I think what I if I was gonna like give you and we, you know whether we start doing this with every show, which is what to take, what what the, what are the good things to take away and the bad things. One of the good things about this um, to take away is that it's the, really the only film that stars um, Wong. Well, I shouldn't say stars, but features Wong Se Lung, who's Bruce Lee's senior student, you know, some would like to call him Bruce Lee's teacher, but Ip Man was Bruce Lee's teacher. But Wong Siu Lung was a student under Ip Man, was the senior student at the school that Bruce Lee went to when he first started learning martial arts. He's the teacher that Bruce Lee goes to in the story, you know, breaks his cup and that whole thing. So that's kind of a a nice um, for the Bruce Lee fan that goes to this film that there's that reference there. It's the only time he did a movie. I was going to ask you about that, and I thought it was funny because he, you know, he isn't doing much. Like, and he has some of the best lines that were overdubbed. They're like, really, like, like, why did you break that cup? Why the hell did you break that cup? What's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> What's the matter with he's, you? Yeah, he's sitting there kind of stoically. It was. It's very interesting. But yeah, I had a, I'd read a little bit about that, but I didn't know that's a really important detail because. I'm like, wait, so that guy trained Bruce Lee? And well, he was just like one of his senior instructors in the school, you know, at the, at, yeah. at, at the man's school. And, and yeah. they're shooting it in his actual school. So there's kind of that interesting historical context. And, you know, and, and uh, also the other, the other um, fighter in the story, the, the one that they end up killing, they stab in the back. His name's Chu Ling. He's um, you'll you'll see, and this is his first movie as well. And but he went on to do a bunch of other Bruce Ploitation films, like Bruce. He's in Bruce Lee, the Man of Myth. Actually, fights Bruce Lai, but he was a really uh, famous Hungar kung fu practitioner. So he was fairly well known because his gr- his father learned from the student of um, uh, Wong Fei Hung, you know, the the famous you know martial artist. Um, so uh, he's you know having him in the film was kind of cool, and then of course Nora Miles in it, who did three of Bruce Lee's movies. So they you know there's a lot of influx into this film of of Bruce Lee connections. 
she is very she's just pretty and she's nice she does such a good job um i looked up i i knew her from bruce lee movies and i knew her from this um i found her in an older film um i wanted to ask you about it it's a movie called the blade spares none yeah sure yeah she's actually done a lot of films but that's like one of her first that was like either her first or second film oh yeah she was really young she she looks great she's doing a lot of battling which i'd never seen before and in it is um um james Tien. Thank, thank you james Tien. yeah 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 he did it i just thought it, I, I found a clip of it and i watched it and i just thought oh that's fantastic well if you actually watch her first um like three or four or five films because they were all done for raymond chow who was the person that produced the big boss you know, basically her and James Tian are like in almost all of them. They're just fluctuating. So by the time they got to the big boss, it was probably like the fourth or fifth film they'd done with each other. Okay. That makes yeah. perfect sense. Okay. So if I gave you both, I was going to say, because I agree with you. I thought this had a awesome uh, nunchaku battle. Yeah. No, it was great. I mean, you don't, you just don't see one that's first off that like big. And, I, and he really does a good job. I was very surprised at his skills. It was awesome. I was like, that is that is worth it all by itself. I read online somebody um, buying bootleg copies of this because they had some UK copy, which, of course, had all uh, nunchaku and, and uh, any kind of uh, shuriken stuff pulled out of all of like these these UK films. So they, they were really happy to find some, some American release that had that battle in it. And I, I agreed. I'm just like, that's awesome. Yeah, it is. and it, in fact, we were one of the films. I'm sure we'll get to it in time. Is another one that Bruce Lee did called Bruce Lee's Greatest Revenge, which is one of my, I'd say it's like my top one or two favorites of his films. But there, his use of the nunchaku is great in that because it actually shows him inventing it. You know, so it's got a really good, uh, it's got a good little spin on it. But uh, yeah, it's it's they did do a good scene with it in this, and um, I think he. You know that that idea of of the nunchaku being was so associated with Bruce at that point because Lee was the one that sort of brought it into the. I think it had been used in maybe one film before the before Bruce Lee pulled it out in uh, Fist of Fury, so it really became identified with him, and that's why you see it so much in these uh, Bruce exploitation films. Yeah, like I, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like uh, it was a, such a symbol of, of Bruce Lee himself. So. Yeah, in fact, in in New Fist of Fury, the the sequel that Lo, uh, Lo Wei did to, with um, Jackie Chan to Fist of Fury, that they've they've got the like well you know it's supposedly Bruce Lee's nunchaku from Fist of Fury, and it's in a box, and they're keeping it all safe and sacred, and they give it to Jackie Chan eventually. It's just, it's pretty funny. Holy cow! You know we are on such a wavelength uh, around this. So many things I have to ask you; they just come naturally in. Because I was going to ask about that. Now that film in particular is really hard to find, right? Like I'm, I read something that only 20 minutes were ever played, and it was at some theater in Los Angeles. And it's one of those lost films um, that you just can't get your hands on. You're talking about uh, the new Fist of Fury. No, I thought it was called the one. I thought it was called Fist of Fury Part Two because oh, I. Oh no! Okay, no, no. What you? Yeah, what? Yeah, and this is this is poor. This is where the <laughs> this is where all the confusion. The big boss we were talking about earlier, where the big boss got retitled Fist of Fury when it got into America, and Fist of Fury got retitled as The Chinese Connection. Right. There is a sequel to Fist of Fury. The, the Bruce Lee original Fist of Fury with Jackie Chan was in. Now that one you can actually find, I'm pretty sure you can find it on YouTube in a nice high, uh, high definition uh, widescreen version. The one you're talking about is the sequel to The Big Boss. And The Big Boss, which um, that you're right, there's 20 minutes floating around on YouTube. That one, 
is was done the same year as Bruce's fingers, Bruce's deadly fingers. <laughs> and it also has Low Way and Bruce Lay in it. And this is the first time that Bruce Lay kind of did his first Bruce Lee uh, sort of, you know, whatever you want to call it, his first sort of transcendence into being Bruce Lee's uh, follow-up, and he plays the he plays Bruce Lee's character from the Big Boss in jail in the beginning. But that that one's yeah, that one's uh, it's, that's a tough one to find. Okay, and then the other one you brought up, I have watched um, part of it. I I plan to finish it, but I got right to the part where um, Bolo shows up with the the Nazi mustache, and I screenshotted that, made it my background for a week, and I said, okay, I'll come back to this. Okay, now, now, say, this is good, we're talking about this, because this is where a lot of the, so that one you're talking about is called The Big Boss Part 2, but is not (laughs) The Big Boss Part 2 we're talking about. So, in other words, (laughs) <laughs> and this is where this is where it gets nuts, and I'm so well. Hopefully, that well, I'll keep the listeners, you know, on this. So you've got a movie called Big Boss that Bruce Lee did, that we were just talking about. Its official sequel, which is the Big Boss Part Two, has Low Way and Bruce Lee in a cameo playing the Bruce Lee character. That one's like next to impossible to find, except if you are really good friends with Tarantino, because he's apparently got a copy of it. So. um then there's a sequel, or there's actually many sequels to Fists of Fury, that you know the one with Jackie Chan we talked about. Bruce Lee's done a few. Bruce Lee's done a few. There's there's many, and we'll probably get to over time. But there's many different spinoffs of that film, mainly because it was, especially in his home, you know, country, it um, it was um, probably the most famous of his films, the most uh, the one that got the best um, best fan reaction. Now the one you're talking about with the Hitler mustache. That's called Big Boss Two. They just call, they don't call it. It's not Big Boss Part Two. They call it Big Boss Two. It has another uh, title, but that's uh, Dragon Lee. Okay, that's great. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I started watching that before we ever talked about any of this, so I didn't I didn't take it very seriously. But it gave me that it planted a seed that I knew I needed to see all of these. So yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so. Um, and the funny one. So I talked about the the uh, nunchakus, as uh, you um, corrected me there. I appreciate that. Um, I'm going to get a lot of things wrong, so I've got a keen ear. But um, I really liked the uh, training montage in a in a funny way. It was hilarious. Uh, him getting the finger book and finally getting to use his finger skills on the dummy. And it was going through wood, and he eventually shoves his fingers into a rock. I'm like, holy shit, here we go. Yeah, and, and, and of course that idea of the, that training sequence is you know prevalent in all these martial arts films. But what's funny about that is that sequence is actually from another Bruce Lee movie. That that sequence where he's poking those dummies is from something called uh, Bruce and the Shaolin Kung Fu. So they kind of like swap those scenes and put them in there. But yeah, yeah. And, it, and the interesting thing is it flips back around to Fists of Fury, right? And you brought that up on Cinema Bushido that um, doesn't he shove his fingers into uh, a rib cage or something like that? Like that's the origin of. Bruce Lee actually using his fingers as a weapon. Well, I, you know, it's it's so interesting when it, going to that point where you you look at all of the things these movies, and that's why I find them interesting. Is there's each movie will have some element that they they latch onto with Bruce Lee, some you know one or, you know one or two elements in some cases, and and if you the end of the Big Boss, the the original version, and it gets taken out of some versions, but. 
you know, Bruce Lee kills the big boss by sticking his fingers into his, you know, rib cage, right? So he's there, they're like connected to. He like oh, he was the big boss. Remember Thank that? You. Yeah, so it's at the end of the big boss. So yeah. this film takes that idea, I'm, you know, you can only assume and says, okay, that's Bruce Lee's deadly fingers, right? He killed the big boss with it. Now, but, but just so you know, and you're aware, there is actually another film called Kung Fu Fever with Dragon Lee where they're also looking for Bruce's finger book. So this finger book idea is not, you know, solitary here. It's, uh, it, it gets around. And don't kill him. I need him alive. I'll force him to tell me where the Kung Fu finger book is hidden. Yeah, because, you know, eventually they would have got, if they wouldn't have run out of money, there would have been Bruce's itchy nose. And they would have finally oh, explained. Yeah. Yeah, you Which know, he was, <laughs> clearly they were leading up to in this one, the way he's rubbing his nose all the time. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I thought this had a really solid ending um, with the two separate battles going on. And I love that you pointed that out because it is two separate movies. But um, obviously, uh, let me get his name. Oh, Michael Chan. Fist throat punching Bolo to death. Oh, yeah. What a great way to go. And the whole Bolo thing is great because he, you, if you, I, I'm, and again, I don't know this, but I, you know, I'm, I'm going to guess is probably the case. He was probably shooting two movies that day. I mean, you can just tell the way he shows up in this movie, does his deal, and then is gone. It was like, Bolo, what are we going to get you for a day for, you know? <laughs> yeah, he really was just like checked out. He showed off his awesome physique. He held a guy above him. He, I, I was actually pretty amazed at how slow he was compared to uh, Michael Chan. Yeah, and I think, but that's sort of Young C, Bolo Young C's uh, sort of his thing. You know what I mean? He's not trying to be fast. He's trying to be big and strong. And it's interesting because he is, to me, he's one of the more interesting sort of spinoffs of the the Bruce Lee exploitation thing. Because first off, he's in, you know, probably the most movies of of, of this kind of anybody. Um, and, but he is somebody who literally became the character he played in a Bruce Lee movie, right? So he comes in as Yang Si's, becomes the character Bolo in Enter the Dragon, and from here on out, he's dubbed as Bolo. There's even a movie he did where the movie's called Bolo. So it's Bolo as Bolo in Bolo, you know? So um, he... Uh, He's he's a character, and and so and again, watch what I was going to get at it was when you watch that fight scene he does in this, you know, that picking up of the the guy over his head, that was you know right out of the end of the dragon choreography, you know, and yeah. that gets mimicked a lot. Like I'm sure the choreographers were always going, "Come on, pick him up like you didn't have the dragon." You know? <laughs> oh, you're dead on. You know something I've never done, and I'm sure you have, um, and maybe someday I will. But it's going down the Jim Kelly rabbit hole of, uh, you know, he did. It looks to me like dozens of films after uh, Enter the Dragon. And I saw one in particular in the cover. Um, he's got like a, I don't know, a leash or something on Bolo. And he's like dragging him behind him or something like that. Yeah, that's that's um, the Tattoo Connection. The Tattoo Connection uh, is uh, kind of, we actually, I met with the director of the film, Liso Nam, who who does a bunch of Bruce Bluetation. Well, not a bunch. He, he did like two or three of them that um, he did that film. And that was um, Bolo. Yeah, it gets the chance. And I, I always found that interesting because I think in Enter the Dragon, you know, there were two people that everybody wanted to see Bolo fight, I think, the most. And that was either Jim Kelly or Bruce Lee. You know, he said he fights John Saxon. But I think they were sort of, this was their way of giving everybody what they wanted, which is to see Jim Kelly and Bolo have a fight together. 
Yeah, and I'd say I, I would have wanted that too. You know, um, we've talked about this before, um, that John Saxon, he played James Bond, and he was cool as can be, and that was his role. Like, he never came across to me as threatening, where, you know, Jim Kelly, he, he looked like a fighter. He, he was really fit, and he looked like he knew what he was doing, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. That's uh, kind of what they brought... They brought you know John Saxon in to sort of give it that that flair. I think that they felt like they didn't have anywhere else in the movie. So, I'd say it worked. Yeah, yeah, it was good. He was a good he was a good addition for sure. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I loved the ending of this too. Um, in terms of my, uh, you said this was the first one you ever watched. It's fitting that it's the first I ever watched. I would definitely suggest suggest this to, uh, Bruce's Deadly Fingers to somebody who who hasn't dived in yet i think it's it's got enough comedy and enough action and enough it it, it isn't boring that's for sure it's a it's a very interesting movie and i think anybody who's just picking this up that likes watching kung fu fighting they're going to enjoy it yeah and i think if you you do look it up and you go you're going to do the youtube route um you know there is a widescreen version of it so make sure you find that one because it just it it's you know gives you the I'm very, you know, I'm a stickler for trying to find those versions just because it shows really what they're trying to frame in the scenes. Um, there's a, a DVD release of it. Um, I don't have it right in front of me the uh, company name that did release it in widescreen. So there's a 235 aspect ratio DVD available of it. It's, it's actually a fairly common, um, ver- I think you buy it on Amazon for like five or six bucks. So that's that's the one to um, seek out. And I, again, like you were saying, yeah, I think it's, it's uh, if you want to kind of dive into getting the idea of what these these movies are about, you know, at their best and worst, this is one that it definitely has those elements that shows why people come back to these movies. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, um, as as a follow up to that, uh, I saw you know um, I saw that you published a really cool article on the passing of Philip Coe. Philip Coe is God. He's been in the the business for forever. Um, and he's done a bunch of Bruce exploitation films and and Shaw Brothers movies, and you know he's it, uh, it was an, I got a chance to interview him with our our during our documentary shoot in Hong Kong, and just a really really nice guy, you know. That's awesome. Well, it sounds to me like we should pay pay homage and cover one of his films. On the I agree. Episode. I was gonna I was gonna suggest that. I was gonna say we should uh, definitely uh, maybe pick his one after uh, whatever we got you know next to do, but you know pull him out because he's he's got a few good ones. That's for sure. Yeah, it seems like uh, you know he was really loved by everyone. Uh, I saw a lot of really neat stuff getting posted, and in particular, um, your video uh, of him um, talking. Uh, who was he talking with? He's with Mars. Uh, that when right. we, which was interesting about that was we were interviewing. We were going to interview him both that day, but they both were extras in Enter the Dragon, and um, so or you know they both played guards in in on the Hans Island in Enter the Dragon, and um, they had I mean seen each other obviously since then. But when we were interviewing the two of them, we and we caught it all on camera. They hadn't seen each other in about twenty five years, so it was really kind of nice. And they got together and they were having a really good time and just being really. Um, you know, candid for the cameras. It was great. You know, it was a, it was Mars for for just so you can kind of put in context because I know the only other or one of the only other Bruce exploitation movies you've had a chance to watch is Bruce Lee, the Man, the Myth. He's actually in that movie too. I thought that was really neat. Uh, you know, neat to see it such a candid conversation, and he seemed so happy. And yeah, sad to see yeah. him go. Yeah. So we talked about this a little bit earlier. You brought up you know your documentary that you've been working on. Um, covering these uh, Bruce Exploitation films. Um, I'm 
extremely excited to see that. Uh, I, I can't wait to like, you know, bring new life to a lot of these characters. Um, it's something you said, I think maybe about Philip Coe, that, you know, he's like, he didn't know that people would want to hear from him. Like, it's... Yeah, um, it's kind of interesting because this, you know, I, I've been, ever since I was a little kid, um, these, I, I mean, I, I, I stopped to think about it. I think, you know, I've probably been a, a Bruce Bloitation follower and collector longer than any human being on earth, you know, at this point. Because, <laughs> no but, but it's like always just something I just sort of just put in my closet and did. You know, I have newspaper clippings from the ads from these Bruce Bloitation films from when they were coming out in the late 70s and early 80s. Um, and today I've got l- literally hundreds and hundreds of posters and lobby cards. But I just kind of, it's just always just been a fun interest. It got me into filmmaking. My, my, my life and my you know, world is basically around filmmaking and, and dramas and comedies and, and whatever. But this documentary I've got kind of, I just sort of by chance got involved with Severn Films on another project. And they found out my interest in this, and they said, well, "Will you help us, you know, pull this documentary together, you know, with what you know?" And I didn't, you know, ever really think to professionally make use of this useless knowledge in my head. But I thought, you know what? I love these films. They, I, you know, I, I get a kick out of them. I, there's a lot I probably would have to say about it. And I already had a book um, that is coming out um, that was around the same subject. Once again, you know, it was like me going, "Okay, well, might as well put this to use." So um, we were just in Hong Kong and Korea and Taiwan at the end of last year, and uh, we're still shooting as uh, we do this this show right now, this recording. We've got one more, or we'll take it back, about three or four more interviews to do in New York coming up, and but um, it's it's going to be great, and it's going to be the first uh, fully financed documentary done on this subject. I think it's important. It's you know so that that's that'll be the fun part, especially if people are interested in kung fu films or particularly in these this sort of subgenre of films. They'll be really interesting because there's a lot of people on camera you didn't get a chance to see, um, uh, get to hear talk specifically about this this Bruce Lee exploitation period, um, but also because we go really into the search for trying to discover what's happening to all these films. You know because basically what you're seeing on YouTube sometimes these cropped pan and you know these pan and scan just faded looking films could technically become all you have left of these movies if people don't start preserving them and saving them and and um rescanning them on on blu-ray or what have you so it's a it's going to be a, i think it'll be a, a really cool and at the same time important uh, documentary for people to watch and get an idea about um this crazy loonies genre that we <laughs> we're getting into here uh, yeah, really. so that, that'll be coming out towards the end of the year um, this was Severn Films uh, they do a lot if you look Severn Films up you'll see they do a lot of genre stuff particularly like Italian horror and that kind of thing uh, and so That's both sweet. the book and the documentary should be timing around the same time I think they're dro- they're going to be dropping around August or, or September so if you keep listening to this show, you're gonna um, you're gonna know so much about all of these movies and actors by the time that comes out, page by page. These will be old friends. <laughs> That's right. That's true. It's gonna be. We're gonna. We'll we'll keep we'll keep dishing out all kinds of stuff on this this crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah. It's um, fantastic. I was gonna say also if if you want to do a little news drop here, I don't know how we'll eventually work this in. I know this is our first uh, banging our head against the wall episode, but. You know, for those that are kind of interested in what they're on that note, uh, what is available on Blu-ray, 
recently, uh, I think it's Warner Archives. I'm just looking this up as I do it. Um, uh, no, the film detective, I guess, released um, The Black Dragon's Revenge, which is Ron Van Cleef. And it was a, a, a Bruce Plotation film back in the day where Ron Van Cleef was sort of brought over as the Black Dragon. And he did a couple of Hong Kong um, martial arts films, you know, in most cases trying to find uh, find out who killed Bruce Lee once again. But there's a great Blu-ray edition of it available. And um, that is currently on Amazon. And the other one that's kind of cool is um, No Retreat, No Surrender, which was... Jean-Claude Van Damme's really his first movie that he did with Kurt McKinney but why it's of sort of the the Bruce Plotation um, of note for a Bruce Plotation fan is because in the film the ghost of Bruce Lee appears and to uh, Kurt McKinney to help train him to fight Van Damme and it's pl- and he's played by Kim Tae-jong who is the double uh, the or doublings, quote unquote, for Bruce Lee in Game of Death, and then went on and did Tower of Death, and he did Bruce and Jackie to the rescue. So he had his own Bruce exploitation. He was sort of like the uh, the fourth or fifth clone, you know, in the in the Bruce exploitation genre, where he he's fairly well known. And this was I, I don't know this this might be his last screen appearance, but it was you know it's kind of cool. It's a it's a goofy little '80s. Uh, kung fu movie it's got an audio commentary and and you know it's kind of interesting to watch van damme and a uh, bruce ploitation actor all in the same movie all right well michael uh first off uh thanks for uh thanks for dragging me uh into this uh now i've got you know another 250 movies or something i need to watch i know sorry my friend sorry well thanks again let me send you out to the theme song for bruce's deadly fingers <laughs> 